Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rush Hour Podcast, hosted by myself, Bobby Kamal, and Jay Park. Jay, man, how have you been doing? And uh, what's your thoughts on what's going on with the world right now? Uh, it's crazy. I mean, today alone, you know, was a very eventful day for the NBA with all the different trades and, you know, James Harden finally getting his wish uh, to being traded after his, uh, his very transparent and blunt uh, post-game uh, press conference last night. So, Tons to talk about, and uh, very excited to cover everything. All right, so we've been dealing with all these James Harden rumors since the season, even way before the season started, ever since he said that he wanted out of Houston. Yesterday, things got spiced up during media day or during a post-game interview between John Wall and James Harden, where James Harden, after the Lakers lost 117, like they were, they lost, they had 117 points scored against them, and he just blindly called the team out saying that things won't get fixed and he, he did all that he can for Houston and that he wants out. And little little behold, the next day right after leading to today, the Rockets finally pulled the trigger because they had no option. But it looks like this was pretty time-consuming, which makes sense just looking back at it. It looks like it was a three-team, uh, three-way deal. So pretty much the start off with the Brooklyn Nets. They get nothing in return but James Harden. But what they have lost is Jared Allen, and T. Prince to the Cavs, which is the first team that got involved in the team in this trade. And they lost Karis LeVert in a second-round pick to the Indiana Pacers. And the Houston Rockets received a boatload. So they got Victor Oladipo. They got Exum. They got Kirks, which is, which is some guy from Latvia who apparently is in the league. So I, I think they just squeezed him in the trade for cap purposes, I guess. But the other major thing that the, that the Brooklyn Nets lost is four first-round picks in addition to four pick swaps. This is pretty much their whole future. It looks like they went literally all in with the Brooklyn Nets. What's your thoughts on this trade, man? Because to me, it looks like Brooklyn just dismantled the whole team's future for James Harden. Yeah, I mean, that's what it looks like because you're getting James Harden for not just this season, but I think two more years after this. So it is a multi-year deal. It's not just a, you know, same season rental, like what the Kawhi Leonard trade was for the uh, Toronto Raptors. But if you look at it, this is what needed to be done for Brooklyn as well as for Houston. If you look at Houston's side, after that demoralizing game uh, yesterday where they were you know, down like you know, 20-some in the first quarter and then lost by 17, it was, it was never really a game. And you could tell from James Harden's body language and just how he was approaching the game, he wasn't really about it. Like he, his head was out of it. His mind was out of it. His heart was out of it. There was no real mojo. And yeah, John Wall could kind of sugarcoat it and try to, you know, maybe – not say directly that it's James Harden who's creating all this drama and all this, you know, bad energy, this unfluid energy in his post-game press conference. But we all know it's James. It only took James Harden yesterday to fully just basically say, look, like we ain't that good. You know, we not, we don't got that chemistry. We don't got the talent. Like if I'm looking at the other elite teams, like we not there. And I don't think like we're ever going to get there because it's, it's something that we can't fix. Yeah. So after that, every every everybody in the NBA would probably be saying like, "Look, you gotta get rid of James Harden like sooner than later." And if there's a deal out there, like I would take it today because this is only gonna make everything worse. It's like the start of a virus. It's it's like as long, if you don't deal with the virus from like the earlier stages, it it'll only uh, get worse over time. So with James Harden now being this bad influence on the team who's happens to be the superstar the face of the franchise you have to let him go 
And if you're looking on a Brooklyn side, you look at what's going on with Kyrie, which we're going to talk about later. It's all or nothing because you, when you have guys like KD, whose window of opportunity, whose championship window is closing in because he's aging. I understand that there's guys like LeBron who doesn't seem to age that quickly, but not everybody's LeBron. And with KD, you never know if he's going to get another, uh, you know, season-ending injury or career-threatening injury. So you have the opportunity this season, maybe next season, and maybe the season after that to really fight for a championship. I mean, we, we can clearly see from the first few games that KD's played that he hasn't really lost a beat. Like, he's still KD. He's still balling out. He's still a superstar. So if Kyrie's missing in action and is only up to KD – and maybe uh, Karis LeVert, who also got moved today, which, which we'll talk about later, it's, it's not enough. That's not enough to go even out of the Eastern Conference with the likes of Philly, with the likes of Boston, with the likes of Milwaukee, with the likes of Miami. It's not enough. So you get a guy like James Harden now. You pair him up with a, a former MVP in, in KD. KD and James? Oh, my God. That's just on the that's, offensive that's side be, of the ball. That's that's going to be unstoppable, man. That's going to be unstoppable. That's that's yeah. literally going to be unstoppable because you you have two guys who can literally just like walk to again with a pregame meal, like what James Harden's doing with his added, you know, 25, 30 pounds to his body with a dad bod that he's going on. He can he showed you in this first couple of games what he can do. He dropped a 40, 40 something piece and then a 30 something piece. That game against the Blazers showed me like this man, when he wants to play, he can still play. And we know what Katie's doing. So I'm like, yo, those two guys going up together. And I think this is the first time in James Harden's career after he had his rise to superstardom, uh, which, you know, happened when he played for the Rockets his first season. It's the first time in like, what, like eight years or something, something ridiculous that he's now no longer the first option. He's not the best player on this team anymore. He was the best player when Russell West, uh, Russell Westbrook was there. He was the best player when Chris Paul was there. He was the best player when Dwight Howard was there. He was always the best player. Now, no, you're not James Harden. You're a great player. You're arguably top five, top ten player in the NBA. But KD is better than you. So you will respect and listen to KD and follow KD in the path of a championship. And I, I and now I think this trade clearly puts Brooklyn at the top of the East. I, I don't think it's even close. Them against, because I, remember I, I when like we, your chances against anyone. When we did our East predictions, but, we both didn't have Brooklyn first in the East. We, If I'm not mistaken, I had Milwaukee, and I'm assuming you did as well. Uh, if we were to redo that, I'm pretty sure that we'd agree that Brooklyn would be first as of right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They lost two of their core bench players, I'd say, with Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. Just looking at the roster right now, the team is not "quote unquote" that deep. So, what what do you think that Brooklyn should do in terms of making roster readjustments, mainly for the bench? Because just looking at the roster right now, like in addition to Spencer Dinwiddie, they got a the disabled player option. But right now, as of right now, after this trade, Brooklyn has three remaining open spots available, and that's including their 5.7 million tax inclusion. So they 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 don't have much like room in the table to to squeeze in players, despite them having three open roster spots, which is very crucial time like this, like one outbreak in that team and that team is done. The Nets they're gonna have to fill out their roster. Obviously, I I think that you're either gonna have to do something with Kyrie or you're going to have to. What do you mean by something? Look in the waiver wire to see trade him, 
Oh. If, if, if I were the Brooklyn Nets, I'd trade the man. I, I would trade the man. Like I would we know, honestly, we know what Kyrie uh, would give bring back, and that's depth. But just looking oh, at yeah, the previous, for sure. Like just looking at the previous seventy-two hours with uh, all the shenanigans that Kyrie's been dealing with, whether it's disappearing on the team and going for quote-unquote personal reasons, not informing his management, like not informing Steve Nash. Steve Nash was all embarrassed in the press conference. He didn't even know where Kyrie was. He doesn't even know if he's in Brooklyn, for God's sakes. The other issue where he violated league protocols, he was uh, he was actually filmed at a family party without a mask on, just violating all COVID protocols within, within the NBA. So even if Kyrie were to say that he wants to return to play basketball with the Brooklyn Nets, that's not even his call right now, just because it's it's in the NBA's, NBA's hands for, for the most part. Yeah, and I really think that Kyrie should be traded and – it doesn't have to be a, a competitive team. It could, it could just literally be the team uh, in the same city. It could, it could be to, to, the, to the Knicks. Imagine, like, for me, if I'm Brooklyn, I will call up the Knicks and say, hey, give me Mitchell Robinson, give me Austin Rivers, and give me maybe somebody else. I don't even need any draft picks. Just literally give me two or three of the players that I want from your team, and I'll give you Kyrie. Well, I, I, I demand for I would do it. I demand for drafts, especially after the first four first round picks that they got rid of. Maybe they can, if they can squeeze a yeah, couple draft dra- one or two, I do that. I yeah, do that, that that would be that would be cherries on top. That would be cherries on top. But for me, I, if I was a GM on both sides, I would do it. Why not? The Knicks, they'll be happy with it because now they have a superstar. Now they have a face of the franchise. And Kyrie doesn't even have to move. He could still be living at the same place that he's living now. He's not. He doesn't have to move. The Nets, now they get the added depth that they need. You know, getting a guy potentially, if they get someone like Mitchell Robinson, they need a big, they got a big to replace Jared Allen. Uh, they need additional depth to, you know, facilitate and to play make as well as to put buckets, uh, get buckets. So then that that's why you get guys like Austin Rivers and maybe a guy like, I don't know, like maybe even a, an Alfred Payton, you know, like that would be, that would be nice. But for me, something has to, do, something has to be done with Kyrie. Uh, or they're going to have to make a trade uh, to get maybe veterans who are, you know, maybe salary friendly to to just kind of fill out the rest of the roster. Because right now, yeah, they're just they're very top heavy. All right, let's talk about Kyrie for a minute. If Kyrie, assuming that he comes back and and manages to blend in with the team and he gets rid of all his actions about, you know, not going out, missing games, assuming that he's back to the old Kyrie, let's say by old Kyrie, we mean the Cleveland, the Cleveland Cavaliers Kyrie. Do you think that him, James Harden, and Kevin Durant could play well together chemistry-wise? And do you think that they, they, they would have a chance going for that championship this year? Because we, we, we did predict that they'll make it first in the East, but what about taking it the whole way? Let's say they don't really get rid of Kyrie, and let's say Kyrie comes back and he's back to being Kyrie that we know. So then if you look at it, the Brooklyn Nets starting five would be what? Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, and Joe Harris. That, wow. That, whoa. That's tough, man. I think that could take down the Lakers. That's, to me, me, that's just as good. That's just as good as KD on Warriors, if not better. Seriously. Because you look at, you look at Steph. Steph and Kyrie are very, they're they're very uh, comparable. You know, between the two, there's not really too much of a gap. Steph might be a little bit of a better shooter. But Kyrie's got the better all-around offensive game, just as good as Steph, if not better, when it comes to ball handling, pull-up, free throw, mid-range, post, creativity at the rim. He's got the whole package. 
And plus he's younger. Then you got James Harden versus Clay. Everybody in the planet would say, let's take James Harden over Clay. Then you look at KD in Brooklyn versus KD in Warriors. It's the same KD. He hasn't lost a beat. Even with all that time off, he's still KD. So that's there's nothing there. Then who did the who did the Warriors have? They just had a bunch of random guys who were you know a part of their 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 motto, strength and numbers. Uh, guys like Draymond Green is comparable with a guy like DeAndre Jordan when he's actually playing hard. So and the bench is the bench. So to me, that team won back to back championships and would have won three in a row hadn't it been for very unlucky injuries, but now let's say they make it out of the East, which they will. Everyone stays healthy. Everyone's actually available and playing. They'll make it out of the East. Let's say they face the Lakers who are probably the prohibitive favorites to come out of the West. Lakers, Nets, I say Nets win. I mean, Lakers, on, I before, I today, agree with that. before today, I would say even last night, like even last night, like midnight or something, I'd be like, yo, AK, I'm telling you right now, Lakers still have the best team on paper and they're playing really well right now. Now, not even 24 hours later, I would tell you, no, right now on paper, Brooklyn Nets have the best team. We don't know how it's all going to gel and how it's all going to play out. I think it's going to be fine because everyone will just have to sacrifice and everyone just has to follow KD. That's all it is. Everyone has to follow KD. If you don't follow KD, everything will fall apart. Everything will fall apart because Katie's your best player. You have to listen and respect Katie's authority when it comes to the it comes to the game. You give him the last plays of the game. You give him most of the shots. You give him the leadership of dictating who's supposed to be where, what plays are supposed to be run, who's supposed to be doing what, and then y'all be fine. Y'all be fine. But if egos come into play, personalities are clashing then we're looking at like a, a really messy situation and that's not going to bode well for the Brooklyn Nets organization or defense. You know, just looking at James Harden, I think that he purposely just came to Houston from the start of the season, decided not to work out. But I think right after this trade, we're going to get last season James Harden back. I think he's going to start lifting weights. He's going to start running on the treadmill. We're going to see the old James Harden back. Right before the bubble started, just the, just the last comment on the Brooklyn Nets, when Kyrie went on Kevin Durant's uh, new podcast, the Etcetera's, and on the first episode, he told KD that this is the first time where I have, where I look, oh, sorry, this is the first time in my career where I've looked down and be like, damn, that MFR can make that shot too. So do you think that Kyrie is going to feel the same or say the same thing to James Harden? Or because they do play in the backcourt together and they're going to have to mesh some, some way. Like, is he, do you think he respects his game as much as KD to say I something? Think- I think Kyrie will respect this, uh, respect James Harden for the first 38 minutes of the game. But in the final two <laughs> minutes, that same respect won't be there anymore. Yeah. Because if we look at the history. We look at the track record of James Harden. Have we ever considered him to be a clutch performer, especially when it counts, which means in the playoffs? No. He's played better, and his defense definitely improved. But – do we put him in the same level, the same platform as guys like KD, as guys like Kyrie, who's shown us in the playoffs, this is what they do. James Harden is not that. In the regular season, maybe Kyrie will uh, give him a few opportunities to prove him wrong because it's the regular season. But let's say game seven of a conference finals game, down one or tied game, you have the option of giving the ball to 
uh, KD or Kyrie, you shoot it yourself or give it to James Harden for maybe for him to play make or sh- take the shot, guaranteed in Kyrie's mind, it's 1A and 1B between himself or KD. There, James Harden is not on that same level. Unless he proves himself for the rest of the re- regular season, KD or Kyrie, to be honest, has that thought that, oh, let's give it to James uh, to take us to the promised land. All right, so let's move on to the rest of the teams that got involved in this trade. So the Indiana Pacers lost Victor Oladipo to, to Houston, and they got a second-round pick and Karis LeVert in return. Just looking at the way that Indiana's playing right now, they're doing well in the East. They looks like they're going to lock up a top-four seed, and they got a, a young ball-handling guard in Karis LeVert, and they lost Victor Oladipo. Uh, so do you think that Karis LeVert is going to mesh well with uh, uh, Brogdon in Indiana? And is that going to make them better? Or have they lost Oladipo and they're gonna, they're, they've went a step behind? To be honest, I, I, I believe that the Pacers won the trade in a sense because Oladipo was set, was set to be a free agent this offseason. And he's expected and, to get paid, yeah. Yeah, he's expecting to get paid. Like he not he not looking at Fred Van Vliet money. He he looking at like Russell Westbrook, Steph yeah. Curry type of money, right? So you have that in the background. There's going to be a financial issue at the end of the season. Victor Oladipo, he's winning this trade for himself because he was out to prove himself again, just to show the the NBA that I still got game. I'm still worth max contract. I'm still able to take teams to a higher level than you know the year before where you didn't have me. So Oladipo going to the Rockets, Rockets in that system, he's going to put up even better numbers that he was putting up in Indiana. Especially so with John I, Wall with the assists. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. So I think in that fast-paced offense scheme that they got over there in Houston, with the likes of John Wall facilitating and playmaking, and he wants to play fast. John Wall is not a half-court guy. Victor Oladipo will have better numbers than he had in Indy. Then you look at Indy's side with Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert, very good player. He's always been somewhat of a very good role player. He hasn't really been labeled a star. But now in Indy, he has a chance to become a star, like what Victor Oladipo uh, had to do when he joined in the Indiana in his first two couple seasons when he was actually healthy and playing a lot of games. That's when people were like, okay, Oladipo is a star. Like this man can play. He's so not that, no longer just a starter. You know that Oladipo is, he was a starting shooting guard there. Uh, I'm wondering if Indiana is going to start Chris LeVert or make him come off the bench and lead that second unit. Uh, we're going to have to see what's going to happen with Indiana. But Indiana's looking very promising this year, man. They got a young star, Karis LeVert, who is a huge candidate for either sixth man of the year or even most improved. So we'll see what happens. So the Cavs are probably the least relevant team within this trade. They got Tyreen Prince, Jared Allen from the Brooklyn Nets, and all they lost was Dante Exum to Houston. Uh, the Cavs have been playing well with their young backcourt, uh, quote-unquote, the Sexland backcourt. Uh, I, I don't see them having a huge change with this trade. Like, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, they did get a promising young star center. I wouldn't say star, but he's a great center or a good center for where he is in the league. But Brooklyn did not decide to extend his contract, his rookie co- uh, contract. So it looks like they, they already knew that he was going to be in trade talks. But the Cleveland's so, going to have to make a decision. So this is this is a this is only a win 
for the Brooklyn Nets, and it's a semi-win for Cleveland, and it's a loss for Jared Allen. So it's a win for, for Brooklyn because Brooklyn, I'm sure that as an organization, they didn't want to pay him the type of dollars that Jared Allen was going to ask. So it's good that they got rid of him from an, organi- from an organization standpoint. From the Cavs standpoint, the Cavs just got a really good young budding star in Jared Allen as a center. Uh, he's an up, up and coming guy. He hasn't proved himself to be an all-star or anything, but he has a chance to maybe prove that he's worth a lot more than what he's getting now. But it's only a semi win because they're already stacked at the front court. I mean, you already have Drummond there between Drummond and Jared Allen, who you're going to start. You're going to start Drummond. So now what you're going to have the same situation that Brooklyn did. You're going to put Drummond, play him for like what, 25, 30 minutes. And then you're going to put air Allen in and make him play like 15, 20, 25 minutes. Ah, it's on the court in terms of their actual helping their actual team. That trade did nothing. And then for, uh, for Allen, this is a huge loss because now you're out of the spotlight because Brooklyn was you know, part of the New York market. Now you're going to a bum team. Uh, you're not even going to get that many nationally televised games. You're going to be playing behind Andre Drummond and no one's really going to pay attention to what you're going to do unless like you really, you know, play like a Miles Turner type where you're giving like three, four, five blocks every night. You're getting maybe 10 rebounds a game and you're maybe getting, you know, 10 to 15 points a game. That'll be enough for you to get some some people's uh, attention. But if you're not going to be able to do that because you're going to have very limited minutes and you're not going to be in the right system, uh, it's a bad, bad loss for Jared Allen. All I got to say is that the Cavs have two decent centers and I just hope that Masai Ujiri picks up the phone and gets one of them, either Andre Drummond oh. or Jared Allen. Yeah, man, because these guys are just going to bump heads in Cleveland, try to get that starting role. But that's going to oh, be quite interesting. Uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. I, I didn't think about that, but that 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 would be very, very interesting. And, and that would yeah. actually benefit the Raptors a lot, who's actually, I don't know, I know you don't want to hear this, man. I know we're going to talk about something else, but I just got to squeeze this in. Raptors have the worst league in the NBA. The worst record in the NBA? The worst Ever. record in the NBA, man. And all they got to say to rebuttal that is they're only five games behind the leading whoever it is right now. Is it still <laughs> it's just the start of the season, but they're only five games behind. And we saw what happened last year. Between the first and second was pretty much five games or four games. It's still early in the season, man. And especially with the addition of the playing tournament, I'm not I'm not, I'm not too I'm not too shabby about it. All right. Uh just looking at Houston within this trade, I mean they got all the depot, Dante Exum, first uh four first round picks. And four pick swaps. I think this is more a more of a win for for the Houston Rockets if you're looking at the future. But oh, yeah. with the with the quality that they got right now, do you think they could squeeze in that that playoff spot with still like include, losing James Harden? Could they make it to the play-in tournament at least? No, uh, there's 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 no chance. There's there's absolutely no chance. The the West is too stacked. So you'd have to see. Which of the the bottom three teams that maybe Houston can overtake their spot? Because we already know that we already know there's locks. We agree that the Lakers, the Jazz, the Clippers, the Suns, the Mavs, those are all locks. Those are five guaranteed locks. Then you got maybe Blazers, who's probably a lock this season. So, and the Nuggets, who are pro- who are also a lock. So that's seven spots already locked in. So. 
they would have to overplay the Warriors, the Spurs, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies. One of those four teams are going to get that eighth spot. The Rockets are not going to play better than those four teams. So with James Harden, yes, for sure. If he, if he was actually trying and he was actually playing hard, like guaranteed they, they'd make the playoffs, but he wasn't. And now that he's gone, you're bringing guys like Oladipo back and Dante Exum. And it won't be enough. I would I would be surprised if they do. And if they do, if they do, I'll, I'll give you Carl Anthony Towns for your worst player. I'll give you Carl Anthony okay. Towns for your worst player, man. If, if the Rockets make it to the playoffs, I'll give you Carl Anthony Towns for the worst player. Man, by that time, okay, uh, I'll probably use him for <laughs> I, I think I know why he said that. It's because by that time, it'll already be playoff season. And <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns won't even be playing because the two rules are not making it to the playoffs. <laughs> You're a smart guy, man. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about the league and where we see the league heading with this pandemic, man, because there has been outbreaks left and right with a lot of teams. Uh, yesterday, we had the Celtics and Bulls game postponed due to the Celtics outbreak. And today, three games postponed. We got the Hawks, Suns, Magic, Celtics, Jazz, Wizards. And we just got an announcement that there's two more games postponed on Friday between the Wizards and Pistons and Warriors and Suns. What do you think the league should do, man? Should we go back to a bubble if we could convince the players? Or should the league just continue pushing this forward and t- until they're forced to shut down again? Like, what's, what's, what's happening here? I think the league is in a tough spot right now because there's not enough cases right now to say, okay, everyone, let's go back to the bubble. And when you there's say that, not because, a- because last year when Gordon Hayward, or sorry, uh, Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert, when he tested positive, because obviously different times now, but looks like they got used to it. Yeah, I think they got used to it. And at the same time, like back then, I think the NBA just had a lot more fear of what could have happened. But now I think, because at the same time, like you got to think of this from the uh, the players and the actual pe- the organizational staff that was in the bubble. You think about their families, their friends, uh, their their livelihood. So being in a bubble, you know, you, they were very limited to that sense. There was not really a great work life balance. So now they're trying to make it easier on the players to have a better work life balance by saying, "Look, we're going to give you home and road games. Home, you're actually going to be in your home." city, state, except the Raptors, of course, but we'll also give you the opportunity to bond and build uh, team chemistry with your teammates by going on the road to different places, different venues, different states. So all of that is what the players are used to anyways. Traveling was just part of the game. But right now, with the rise of case numbers and with the rise of players maybe getting disgruntled that they're missing games, the games are being postponed. It's not a good look. It's not a good look, especially if these are nationally televised games that were scheduled and now have to be postponed. Because being postponed means you're going to have to make that up before you end the season. And unless you want to delay the season, that means more games like four games and five nights or five games and seven nights, back-to-backs, maybe back-to-back-to-backs. It's going to be crazy. So, and... The NBA always said that they don't want to compete with the Summer Olympics, which is which is going to happen later this year. So it's, what do you do? So NBA, I believe that they're going to monitor the situation to see if it, if it kind of dies down from the postponements 
and the number of cases going up. But if it doesn't, I believe that the, the bubble option will be back on the table and maybe it won't be one bubble. Maybe they'll have, you know, a few different spots to at least make it a little bit more balanced this time around. But I think for the safety uh, of the players and for the, the love of the game, I mean, you know, fans want to see these games. They don't want to keep seeing postponed games. Yeah. I think the NBA, the NBA will is, something the NBA is already, they implemented new additional rules. So some of these rules include activities outside of the team environment. They demand that that should be decreased at a massive rate. Like, so they're pretty much saying that teams shouldn't even participate in unnecessary activities. They're, they need to decrease shoot-arounds, team meetings. For team players on the road, they can't have people inside the room or long friends, quote-unquote. Yeah, we we on we on that. Yeah, we that that one's pretty, you know, because everyone's just a, <laughs> an an Instagram DM away, right? Uh, and they're they're gonna be more strict on having face masks. Uh, but man, I don't know what to say, man. This has been a we're dealing with some wild times at this moment. We're just gonna have to see what what happens within these these upcoming days. But uh, let's move on to. I know this wasn't on our schedule, but we got we got to talk about this, man. So your man, Danny Green, on Monday against the Atlanta Hawks, he shot horribly, right? He shot so badly that would, if, if you actually watched the game, you'd say, how is this guy He's still in the league, right? <laughs> so against, against the Hawks, he only, had, he only had two points, three rebounds, and he shot zero for nine from the field. There was wow. a fan or somebody that filmed him and said, how, have you, how are you still shooting that bad and you're still in the league? And then he responded, I got three rings. And then the oh. next day, yeah. And then the next day, he had a game against the Miami Heat. Obviously, just 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 as a reminder, the Miami Heat had a lot of players out of out of out of the team due to health and safety protocols. He just went off. He had twenty nine points, ten rebounds, and a career high in in made threes uh, within that game, which was nine total threes. But him being playing this well, we we. You gotta admit, man. Like Jimmy Butler wasn't playing, Avery Bradley wasn't playing, Miles Leonard wasn't playing, Adebayo wasn't playing. I think that was that was the old Danny Green just in a disguise, man. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think that we got the old Danny Green back, the the young San Antonio Danny no, back, or or this game I was just a fluke? Was, it was it was a fluke, man. It was it was a fluke because Danny Green's always been these guys who are like more inconsistent yeah. than J.R. Smith. Uh, they're you, more inconsistent. Let me tell you who his They're, matchup was. What? Gabe Gabe Vincent, the starting point guard for the Miami Heat. I don't even know who yeah, that who, is. Yeah, who's that? <laughs> who's that? Yeah. Yeah, that's we, that was just a fluke game, man. He's more inconsistent than playoff Pete. Like that's I guarantee you that he won't average more than like nine points for the next ten games. He he he'll his shooting average will be from the three below like thirty five percent, which is still solid, but it won't be as good as he did against Miami. Miami. They they had G leaguers out there, man. Like, like basically all their top five guys weren't playing. Top five yeah. guys from the team weren't playing, so they just had which, like which the, are the also G leaguers in Miami, on there, which were also, also the best defenders, right? Yeah. Like you, you you're without you're without Jimmy and you're without Bam. Arguably, the, your two best defenders on the on the on the team. Guarantee you, if Danny Green got hot, Jimmy Butler would be like, look, let me have him. I will stop him. Let me clamp him down, just so that this guy knows that. You know, he's not all that. And they would have been fine. But, you know, like Embiid had a monster night. Danny Green had a monster night against, you know, a bunch of nobodies in, in the Miami organization. I mean, sorry, those players. 
but you know, y'all, y'all, y'all ain't at the same level as Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo or Goran Dragic or any of those guys. So, but yeah, well, he's, green, on a, he's on a second. That's funny though. He's on his last year of his two-year, thirty million dollar guaranteed deal that he signed with the Lakers. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see where his career goes after this because I don't see it going longer, man. Like just the way that he's shooting. Uh, he might have to focus on his uh, Inside the Green Room with Danny Green podcast and compete with us. <laughs> uh, but we're going to see, man. Uh, I, I wish him the best. Uh, we know how he is, how impactful he is in the playoffs. But I'm hoping for the best for Danny Green, man, especially at a time like this, man. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, that's all to, for today's episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we're looking forward to the next episode. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Catch you guys next time.